everybody. Welcome back to No Good Deeds. This is Elizabeth Boyle, and I'm here with... John Stewart. And we're co-hosts of an investigative legal podcast with Elizabeth Boyle and John Stewart. This series was of podcasts was inspired by my friend and co-host, a very stressful and, and uh, frightening uh, experience and ordeal with the criminal justice system. And we felt that if anyone is a spokesperson who can articulate the problems of the current criminal justice system, that would be my friend. John Stewart. There he is. <laughs> but we wanted to just veer off uh, for a moment, or I want to veer off, and that I wanted to talk about in May of this year, we had a, there was a very well-researched news story that ran on the front page of the Herald Tribune, the Sarasota Herald Tribune, it was written by a absolutely brilliant writer, Billy Cox. And Billy must have, Billy spent from December of 2018 until May of 2019 working on this story. Oh, yeah. He spent hours and hours. Very diligent. Yeah, and he got information from public records requests and from interviews with the Manatee County Sheriff's Office and the prosecution, the state attorney's office that we had no idea existed. Which is kind like, of hilarious if right. you think about it. Like, we've been requesting, you know, um, discovery for months and months and right, months. Right, since and 2016. We're getting, and we're still getting stuff. Right, we're after still the, getting After stuff. the case has been null prost, we're still right. getting stuff showing the right. corruption. Well, in fact, what he found, which was a stunning, stunning uh, disclosure from the state attorney's office, was the null prost memo that was written thing. by Julie Binkley. Yes, and uh, was there anything surprising in that Nal Prosman uh, yes. memo? Yes, there, there, was, there was a lot of things surprising in that. The fact that she said that there was new evidence, that was surprising. Um, oh, is that how she explained why <laughs> yeah. she had you under the, under the sword of Damocles yes. for almost three years? Yep, yes. And <laughs> lo and behold, whoops, I don't have a... I don't have a case against this person. What to do? Five days before trial, drop the case. That's what she did. She was bamboozled by Detective Luke into thinking that I had done things wrong. Uh, it was, you know, I, I, initially, I don't blame her because, you know, she's being told by a detective who should be, you know, held to high standards and you should be able to believe what a detective tells you. You know, I understand that. So when a detective cousin tells you, you know, hey, this guy did this A, B, C, and D, you know, the prosecutor, rightfully so, is going to go, you know, is going to go after you for doing A, B, C, and D. But when it turns out that B, C, and D never took place and only A was there, you know, and she starts seeing, you know, over and over and over again, discrepancies, errors made by the detective, and she, rather than step up years ago and say we're dropping this case like she should have she waited until five days before i was going to go to trial and the entire time that i was that in between that time she was offering me a plea deal for 10 to 15 years prison 
for a crime that I did not commit. Did anyone ever pressure you to plead guilty, yes. John Stewart? Yes. The Tell Office me of Regional that. Counsel, uh, Peter Cohen, my second attorney, the one that, you know, the criminal attorney regarding this, this matter, um, he was appointed to me after the public defender had a conflict of interest. And it took you going to see, to tell him to go see me before he actually came to see me. And then from that time until I had to have him fired via Nelson hearing. The judge. You had to get the judge yeah, to I had, take, I had, take I had, the regional yeah. counsel off I had to file. I had to file a Nelson hearing. Did you have to represent yourself on that? Yes, I did. Um, I had to represent myself. I had help from a from a, from a a wonderful lawyer um, who helped me drop the paperwork and everything like that. But because of mitigating circumstances, it was best to leave that lawyer's name off of everything and for me to represent myself. And I went into court. I represented myself and Peter Cohen was fired and then I was appointed uh, a private attorney, David Little. When and you were in the courtroom, that was in October of 2017, I 2017 so. when you're in the courtroom, uh, what was that like? Was was the regional counsel, did you feel like they were on your side? or Not in any no, way, oh. shape or form. It felt was like the they prosecutor were... against you too? Yes. They, okay, it felt so like it was they you, were in you're bed pro se and, you're, and the... And the regional counsel is trying to say. He's, you, he's trying to say that he did a wonderful job, that he didn't right. do anything wrong. You know, we're, here we are. Literally another. This is this is another time a week before trial. I filed the Nelson hearing and we're literally a week before trial. And he has no expert witnesses. He has no witnesses on my behalf. And in the any prosecutor way, shape, or just, form. just just filed just a new another like 37 freaking like 42, 42 like new witnesses. Yeah, 42 new from parts yeah. unknown. Yeah, all experts, every, you know, in every way, shape, and, and none form. And none of depositions didn't take. Didn't take any depositions. And they didn't, didn't even object. They didn't no, even, they didn't, didn't even file, file an objection. Then, Not then, even a one paragraph and objection. And then on top of that, right. I, I, I had, um, you had filed a motion to dismiss. Right. A on C4 my behalf. motion. We did that back yep. in August and of 2016. He never came and asked me about it. And he withdrew it. He withdrew your motion without, without asking, asking me in any way, shape, and form. He just went and withdrew it. Even though he had previously promised that he would he Correct. would argue it. And then and then he said the reason that he told me afterwards was that it was going to muddy the waters. Muddy like, what waters? Like, aren't the isn't that what you're supposed to do? What was the pur do you know the purpose of the C four motion? Yeah, it was to it was it's to, to force the state, state attorney to prove their case. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So you file a sworn statement, which is ordinarily a very dangerous thing for a defendant, criminal defendant to do. But in your case, fortunately, you were innocent. Yes. And and the facts were on your side, although people didn't want to look at the facts, as I Correct. recall. So that requires, once you file a C4 motion, now the prosecutor is going to... you sworn statement prosecutor can't just sit there and say i'm going to wait another couple of years before i i even look at the facts in this case that's what happened right yep. the prosecutor didn't even look at the facts in the case but it was up on the murder board they have a yep. murder board it was oh, a famous yes. case she was going yep. to be famous for it yep so put another guy away okay so that's interesting but what happened was um what happens is c4 motion you file it set a hearing then there's a deadline the prosecutor has got to respond to every sworn allegation that you've put in your C4 motion and contravene it within, I think it's 20 days. So that that forces the prosecutor not to wait till a week before trial to prepare for trial, which God knows the 
defend defense, the public defense attorneys, the regional council, the state attorneys, they have an ungodly amount of work to oh. do. And the only way to manage the work for a lot of people is to just try to put it off, hope for a plea. Everybody's got their fingers crossed for yeah. a plea, but the poor people who are the fodder, the criminal defendants. So so that's that would have forced the state attorney to in August of 2016 really took a take a cold look at their case yep. and 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 meet the well what about the fact that the grandfather confessed you know what about doesn't that kind of and what about the medical evidence that says that the injury sustained by the child that killed him must have happened 24 hours before he was presented to the hospital and that's the other not thing. 48 hours not 30 not not 72 hours the only way they 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 had a they dreamt up the detective Luke dreamt up a scenario that while you were fixing these five children breakfast that you did something bad to them. Yep. He dreamt that up out of whole cloth. Pretty much. And then Pretty said much. that by that day the child was already quadriplegic. And then and, then and he... that was a total totally not supported by the evidence. Exactly. And then he kept saying that that to detective uh, to other detectives, to everybody in his chain of command, he told it to Julie Binkley, the state attorney, and um and he yeah, he and he, and he told it to the freaking to the um he told lies he even misled the to Dr. Coroner. Sally Smith and, and to, to the coroner, yeah, Doctor Vega. Yeah, Doctor Vega. He, he he withheld a he, video he withheld, tape showing the child moving. He withheld his stuff, arms. and then he told them wrong right. facts. And yeah, he did everything he could right. to, to get to to pin it on me. Right, to because make it look he like implicated me. to them, or he, uh, he he implied to them that you had a history that of DV or domestic violence or something like that. He implied you were like, that's the other thing they never looked at. You know, one of the it's. And you can even hear it when Dr. Sally Smith, who is an abuse expert on, and a pediatric expert, when she lectures, her lectures are, you know, available online, some of I them. When she them. lectures, part of the thing the prosecutor has got to look at is the profile and personality of the alleged perpetrator. They never did that. There is a thing, okay? So they're going to be low self-esteem. They're going to maybe have a criminal record, have a conviction record for domestic violence. But mostly it's really, they have, you know, they're very, um, these are people who have, are not, have not matured, have not developed. Not contributing members of right, society. Right, who have bad, very low self-esteem. I mean, which is about the only way you can explain someone who would harm a defenseless baby, right? Correct. I mean, so that, there's a certain, there is a profile, and that that is as much as an element of the prosecutor's case that it's likely that this individual engaged in this conduct. If you have no, in your case, they had no ear witness, no eyewitness, the three or four children, the three children who were with you, or yeah, because CJ was at school, none of them ever said that you did anything to the Correct. child. They questioned those kids again and again, including your daughter, Alice. Yes. None of them ever said you did anything bad. Not in any way, shape, or form. Actually, so, all of them so said the opposite. <laughs> no eyewitness, no ear witness, no evidence. So what you've got to build the case that the personality type was likely to have engaged in this conduct, that they have some past of violence in the home or, you know, et cetera. So well, they didn't even the look question. at that. And we kept on meeting her. And you're just as straight as a gate. You're a Marine. 
you have your master's from USF. You, you've had different careers. You're a massage therapist. Correct. And you're also, we're moving into, you're going to be teaching at the yes. school. You had something, you were in the process of lining up teaching Correct. at USF. I was going to be a professor. And writing. You yes. were going to write. Yep. And then you'd be taking the children. We have pictures of you taking the kids to the museum, to the Whedon Island, and to the T-ball. And you're trying to cultivate the children. You love children. You're trying to cultivate mm -hmm. them. So... This person did not want to look at any of that information. Oh, not in any way, shape, or because form. Because she wants the glory, right? The glory, and quote marks, I'm doing air quotes here, <laughs> the glory of another conviction. Yep. And God knows she's got conviction, she got pleas, if you look at her record. But it's uh, maybe not because everybody who went through the system is guilty, because what happened to you? Oh, and she knew. She knew from, from basically... The second that the autopsy was finally released, she knew. She knew that I was innocent. And that would be and May she, of 2016. And she even sent out emails. She lets you mold her in jail. To Dr. Sally Smith saying, hey, we need to get on top of this. You know, what's going on here? There's there's some, you know, new evidence, basically. You know, and they never they waited until five days before right. my trial, before they finally dropped it. And then right. she wrote that nonsensical, oh, we found new evidence, which had been there the entire time. So there, there was no new evidence that clearly showed that Larry did it. There is no question about it. Right. Well, I want to circle back to where I started. And where I started, I was going to talk about the newspaper article came out, the Herald okay. Tribune. And as a result of that um, newspaper article, uh, a friend of mine came forward, who's the wife of a wonderful attorney in town, uh, Rick O'Kara, his wife is Cynthia O'Kara. She came forward because this, in the story, Billy Cox went up to the went up to the cemetery in in Palmetto. Yes, I think it is Palmetto, where Nolan is buried, and he found that there was no grave grave marker. There Correct. were some flowers, uh, a fake whole bunch flowers, of decorations, decorations, and, decorations stuff. and all that, and a little windmill blowing. And no one had ever put a marker on his grave. And Cynthia Arcaro was a very deeply religious woman. Felt that was a terrible thing that Nolan's existence was um, was denied in that way. And so she offered to pay for a grave marker, and yes. she came to us. Well, as it happened, Billy. We asked Billy Cox about that, but Billy was never able to interview any of Nolan's family, they wouldn't talk to him. Danica Correct. wouldn't. And sometimes, too, these parents, Danica and Chris, his the biological parents of Nolan, were in and out of jail. It's really hard to keep up with them. Yes. And then, so no one answered back. So I contacted the cemetery, and I said, could you pass along the offer to the family? Because they had, obviously, a business relationship with them through having the burial there. So I thought that would be a normal vehicle you can't contact them and i can't contact them so um it, and then i called several times and the people at the funeral i mean at the cemeteries you know gave me an indefinite answer so i don't know because they sounded interested in conveying the offer mm -hmm. but it could be the family doesn't want to take the assistance or something like that but we that don't know what we don't want to why do you say that? I would say that because Larry and Chris, the biological father, both applied for um, victim compensation 
and they got money from the and, state of Florida. Yes, from the state of Florida. They were the victims, huh? Yeah, like they were the victims, and they mm-hmm. have not put a grave marker for Nolan. And right. I've, I've personally talked to you about it, and my ex and I, the mother of my child, Jess and I, have talked about it, and we've offered to place a grave marker there anonymously because you know everything that's you know with right, me being you involved. Can't, you know, yeah. I don't. But we can't. Who can? You can't do that because it'll be the parents right or whatever to choose what the name would say and what would say on the grave marker i do believe you know i think that's something you wouldn't you wouldn't cross no one should cross that 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 line i guess so but but today after we finish recording the podcast we'll get to our plan, we're going to go up and see what the the status of it. and and dear viewer and dear viewers dear listeners <laughs> elizabeth boyle and john stewart will be back and we will let you know what we found out when we went to the cemetery today to check on Mary. thanks for listening to another episode of no good deeds this is elizabeth boyle john stewart Have a great day. We'll see you on the other side.